This is a Federal News Network podcast. When the summary of a bill runs to 90 pages, you know its congressional authors have included something for everybody. Indeed, they have in the $3 trillion proposal the House narrowly passed last week. Here with what federal contractors have found, the president and CEO of the Professional Services Council, David Berteau. And David, before we get to that, let's talk about, first of all, nobody can spend money as easily until the government reopens. And what what is the contractor's sense of what's going on, especially in the D.C. area, where there's three very different approaches in the jurisdictions to generally opening? You're right, Tom. And and D.C. is not the only place where, in fact, the uh, ability of the federal government uh, to return to their offices or their other facilities is affected by what's going on in the local jurisdictions. It's it's really happening in almost every uh, large concentration of federal employees and contractor workforce. There's three things that we're watching for here. Uh, number one, of course, is that uh, uh, the federal government continues to mandate uh, what happens to its workforce, federal civilians, uniformed personnel, in sort of a centralized top-down way, right? A memorandum comes out from OMB and the Office of Procurement uh, or the Office of uh, Personnel Management and flows down to the agencies. But for contractors, it's still a world in which contract decisions are made by the contracting officers, one contract at a time, unless there's guidance that supersedes that. What we saw back in March when the government began to close its facilities and say, you know, go home and telework, is that uh, for contractors, this was a challenge because the contracting officer would say, oh, teleworking is not authorized under your contract. Um, but what we saw in the middle of March was uh, was guidance from OMB that was very clear. It said maximize teleworking for contractors. And that has largely happened where it can. Now the question is, what happens when you go back? Do you have centralized guidance from the top down? We do have a memorandum from OMB and OPM uh, back in mid-April that says follow the same guidelines that the rest of the country is following. But what does that mean for federal agencies and what does it mean for contractors? Does it mean it has to still be done one contract at a time, one contracting officer at a time? PSC is saying, no, you really need to learn the lessons from this um, and, and to take advantage of what we've seen with maximize teleworking. Maybe it makes sense to continue doing that. As you know, Tom, a lot of government facilities, um, offices are not set up where everybody is six or eight or 10 feet apart from one another. Doors are not set up so that you can actually go back and forth. I've seen studies that said if you uh, require six feet of separation inside an elevator, it'll take people all day just to get to work. Right, And so these are the kinds of things that come into play. But there's larger issues as well. What's the availability of childcare or the schools open? What's the availability of the uh, transportation system? You know, Metro is saying uh, they don't plan to reopen fully for a long time, and they'd like for the government not to do that as well. What about facilities where, in fact, you've got to uh, follow social distancing or physical distancing so that you can have safety here? What about protective equipment? Uh, Does everybody have to have masks? Who sets the standards? Who provides those masks? If the company has to pay for it, is that an allowable cost? These are all issues that need to be resolved before we can begin to make sense out of this. And so how does this all affect just day-to-day communications when you're trying to talk to a contracting officer? Does this mean you don't know where they might be in the first place? <laughs> right. So we, we have recommended to our members, of course, that they, they first of all, um, figure out what's in their own interest, right? What makes sense from the, from each company's point of view. And every company has been tracking what its employees do. It's interesting, Tom. Uh, all of my members can tell you how many of their employees are teleworking. 
the federal government actually, as far as I can tell, cannot tell you how many people are teleworking at any, any given agency. And, and, uh, and the government needs to know this sort of thing. So the first thing for companies is to determine what their own situation is and what's in their best interest, what makes sense to them for productivity, from a delivering results on their contracts and so on. Uh, the second is to be talking with their contracting officers and their programs about what their plans are. And then the third is we as a trade association are providing input uh, to the agencies as well. Some agencies, uh, like the Defense Department, like uh, the U.S. Agency for International Development, have actually asked us for input uh, in this process. Other agencies, uh, we're going to provide them uh, that input uh, and, and help them begin to think about it. We're speaking with David Berto. He is president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. And let's get to that $3 trillion bill, which we know has no chance of happening in the Senate, but maybe some of the provisions do. There's general agreement. Uh, that there will be another emergency uh, supplemental at somewhere along the way uh, as as COVID-19 uh, process continues and as the emergency continues. What the ultimate shape of that bill will be, uh, nobody's agreed on, but there are plenty of discussions about what's going to be in it and what's not going to be in it. What matters to us is that there are provisions in it that uh, take account of what's passed before uh, in, in the CARES Act, for instance, uh, back at the end of March, uh, and implements those and also takes account of the things that will happen as the government begins to get back to to its offices. By the way, we don't we don't really use the term reopening when it comes to contractors supporting the government because in our view we never actually stopped, we never closed and so there's no reopening, but it is a restart. It is a return uh, to facilities kind of thing. Um, some of those provisions for instance are to continue maximizing telework and and actually uh, there's a provision in the bill that says uh, you know maximize that telework, it saves lives. Uh, probably reduces costs. Uh, some indications are it increases productivity and increases worker satisfaction and retention. Um, another provision would uh, would require paying prime contractors within 15 days of the submission of the valid invoice. We call that accelerated payments. It is required, but it is not uh, done everywhere. And so we want to maximize that as well. That's just part of the idea of keep the economy going. You know, the, there's a stimulus effect of the government actually just doing its work and paying its contractors. Uh, there's some issues about reimbursement under a particular section of the CARES Act called 3610, uh, which would uh, authorize agencies to reimburse employees to keep key personnel and skilled personnel on the payroll, even if they can't access a facility in a mobile ready state keep them on the payroll, but in, in a paid leave kind of a sense. And then the government would provide some reimbursement for that. A lot of ambiguity, a lot of inconsistencies in the implementation of that. We use this law to help clarify some of those definitions and ambiguities. And then finally, there's a provision that says, don't punish contractors by giving them an adverse performance rating if there's some kind of a contract disruption that's caused by COVID-19 and coronavirus emergency. Companies should not be punished for things like this that are completely out of their control. So those are provisions that are in the bill, and we'd like to see those stay in no matter what the final version of the bill is that comes out of the Congress. Because there is a lot of money in that bill, as it's written right now, that schmears all over the federal government for lots there, of programs and things. The question is, I guess maybe it becomes philosophical, should the government be printing that much more money? But the provisions the provisions apply to more than just the new money. The provisions apply to the FY20 appropriations that were enacted last December and, and that the agencies are still uh, moving forward with. And of course, there are some additional funds provided for certain areas. Um, but what we have focused on at PSC from the beginning is to keep all of the government operating, not just the part that's dealing with COVID-19, uh, but the part that actually is 
needed to keep America going, right? And and so uh, that's the 1.3 trillion that was appropriated in the discretionary appropriations last December. And so the provisions actually apply to that as well as anything. Uh, there's some additional provisions that we care about in there. Um, you know, there's a, a leave sharing uh, programs that the government is allowed to do where uh, if one person's out of leave, somebody else can loan them uh, their leave or give them their leave. Uh, companies can do that as well, except there's a tax impact. And so uh, we've got a push for tax equality for leave sharing programs between contractors and the government. There's an implementation of uh, uh, supply chain security, uh, you know, not using uh, improper uh, foreign uh, video surveillance cameras, et cetera. And, and the deadline for that um, is going to be very hard to implement under COVID-19. And so we've asked for an extension of that deadline, not because we think it isn't an important issue, but because it needs to be done right. And then finally, we know that there are going to be a lot of issues with existing contracts that are going to require what is known as a request for equitable adjustment. And that is paperwork submitted to the government says the following things changed. We need to make these adjustments to the contract that has these financial implications. Uh, we know the government takes a long time with those. We actually have member companies who submitted requests for equitable adjustment from the January 2019 partial federal government shutdown. So that's now 16 months ago. And some of those requests have yet to be resolved. And so we're pushing for expedited means of, uh, of resolving those in a favorable way and not spending too much time on them uh, unnecessarily moving forward. David Berto is president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. As always, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. We'll see how this goes. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.